You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Uh, we are rolling on this helter-skelter Saturday. Week number nine of the college football season doesn't get better than this. Top 25 battles, front and center stage, Rock and Rich Sermonello. At about 12 o'clock later tonight, we should know who possibly the top four teams in the country are. Yeah, and perfect timing too, Joe, because we have the college playoff committee is going to be meeting in a couple of days halloween we'll get a better idea as to what those first rankings look like we have an idea but you know what the ap poll the coaches poll really all pales in comparison to what the playoff committee is going to give us in a couple of days and you know this week week nine week 10 next week we're really going to be able to flesh out who are truly the best teams in the country who will be competing for a national championship again Tuesday we see those rankings but it's today where we have some phenomenal matchups led by Ohio State Penn State yeah I'm amped up for later today the 330 slate of games doesn't get better I mean I don't think we've seen a week of college football like yeah. we're set for today settle in for the next three hours Rich and I have you covered big show on tap 1024 Eastern will be joined by former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen Get Corey's take about that game in Jacksonville, Georgia, and Florida. Florida's won three straight over the dogs. We'll see how they fare a little bit later today. At 11.24, we'll be joined by former Miami running back Melvin Bratton. Get Melvin's take about the state of the Hurricanes with their head coach, Mark Rick. They're on the road in Chapel Hill to face North Carolina. But it's that Week 10 game looming with Virginia Tech. We'll get Melvin's take about that. 10.40, 11.40 Eastern, we'll be joined by our resident gambling guru, Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenci. Get Gabe's best bets for the weekend. He's been rock solid and on fire. But, Rich, Thursday and Friday night, a couple of games on tap. More shocking to you, the struggles of Stanford without Bryce Love and Corvallis or last night's blowout win by BC over Florida State, 35-3. to Now Florida State and Jimbo Fisher sitting at 2-5 and on the season. It's a good question. I like the way you posed it. Both surprised me. I, I thought Stanford would play better even without Bryce Love against a weak Oregon State team. But the bigger surprise to me is what we saw last night in Chestnut Hill, not just Florida State essentially quitting on Jimbo Fisher at this point. Two and five, doesn't look like they're going to make the postseason for the first time in a couple of generations, which is really remarkable considering the talent. I mean, could this team have collapsed just based on DeAndre Francois? It's ridiculous. I mean, there's so much talent on both sides of the ball. And equally surprising is the fact that Boston College has woken up They've found an offense. They're now 5-4. and four. Steve Adazio, who was on the hot seat, could be getting a contract extension based on this three-game run. And he has to add that to A.J. Dillon's success for the rushing attack. He did pound the rock last night for 147 rushing yards on the ground. Three straight wins now by Boston College over Louisville, Virginia, and Florida State. They didn't have an ACC win when they faced Louisville and Lamar Jackson, but this is a team that's peaking at just the right time. Yeah. So we'll see how they fare in ACC play the rest of the way we're just getting started when we come back we'll be breaking down that big game in the horse show joe lisi rich sermonella live on the fantasy sports radio network studio 34 
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Back on College Football Today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34. The rematch in the Horseshoe, 3.30 later today. Number two, Penn State. Number six, Ohio State. Last year, Penn State got the win in Happy Valley, 24-21. to This is an offense that's very balanced with Trace McSooley, their quarterback. They're passing for 289 yards through the air, rushing for 173 yards on the ground with Saquon Barkley going up against a solid defense in Ohio State, Rich. I look at Ohio State, though. The only team that Ohio State's beaten this year with a winning record is Army. Yep. And I like Penn State later today in the horseshoe. I like them outright. Do you? Yeah, as well? I think they get the victory. Seven uh, points. I yeah, think it'll be I, a very close game, but I like, I listen, like Penn State. I, I agree with you. Penn State showed me so much last week against Michigan. I know Michigan has offensive problems, but... I love the speed of the Penn State defense. They'll have the best player on the field in Saquon Barkley. And I think they've got the better quarterback, too. I mean, Trace McSorley brings a run-pass option to that offense. You've got Mike Gesicki, who I think will create matchup problems for the Ohio State linebackers. And here's the overriding thought that I have in this game, Joe. We saw Ohio State in a big spot twice since last January. They got hammered in the second half by Oklahoma. They got shut out by Clemson in the playoff last year. Now, this is a very talented football team. I get the fact that they're on a roll, but I'm not moved by the fact that JT Barrett has turned things around against the likes of UNLV and Maryland and Nebraska and the Army team that you mentioned. So I'm not sold on Ohio State right now. I think Penn State is the most complete football team in the Big Ten. And all of the revenge talk for last year... How about Penn State's quest for revenge because they got nixed from the playoffs despite winning the Big Ten Championship. So I agree with you. I like the Nittany Lions outright. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, that's no disrespect to Ohio State's offense. You look at Ohio State, they're pounding the rock for 250 yards on the ground with their running back, J.K. Dobbins. That does have 775 rushing yards, five touchdowns. You mentioned the passing offense of J.T. Barrett statistically averaging 326 yards through the air. You look at Barrett completing 66% of his passes, 1,838 yards, 20 one touchdowns, one interception. But you, we don't talk about the Penn State defense enough. This right. is a Penn State defense that enters this game with 24 total sacks. They're holding opposing offenses to 115 rushing yards per game and only 167 passing yards to opposing offenses. To me, that's the difference. And oh, by the way, Rich, they're plus 12 in turnover margin. Yeah. And, and that pass defense that you mentioned, not a lot of household names. Christian Campbell, Marcus Allen is probably the name that we know most the safety number one in the country I like to look beyond just pass defense the the statistic I like is pass efficiency defense you know so that's going to factor in yards per attempt the takeaways that they have it's more than just a a yards uh, type of a statistic number one nationally so now you have JT Barrett going up against 
the best secondary that he's faced all season. He's going to feel pressure from Brent Prize defense. You have Jason Cabinda, one of the better run stoppers in the country in the middle. But that secondary causes problems, not just for JT Barrett, but I still haven't seen a true number one receiver emerge for Ohio State. And one of the problems they had last year, offensive line was an issue, stopping the Penn State pass rush. But one of the other issues was those receivers just could not get separation against the Penn State defense. I think that's going to be the case again this afternoon. I think this is a very difficult test. Now listen, JT Barrett, the numbers look staggering right now. 21 touchdowns, one interception. But I'm not going to thrust him into any kind of Heisman talk unless he can solve this Penn State defense. I agree with you. Here's the problem I have about Ohio State, not just statistically against subpar competition. How can the AP voters have them ahead of Clemson and Oklahoma, a team that they lost to by 15 points. It's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, sitting at number six in the country, if they win this game, then they deserve that ranking. But at this point in the season, entering week number nine, I don't understand how you could put Ohio State this high in the top 10. Just my personal opinion. I will say this about Ohio State's efficiency on third down. I mean, they're converting 49% as an offensive unit, averaging 47 points per game, and defensively holding opposing offenses to 29% on third down conversions. For me, I think it comes down to a personnel perspective. This is the most complete team that they've faced at this point in the season. You talk about Trace McSorley. He's completed 66% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions, thrown for over 1,800 yards. Saquon Barkley, though, not just running the football, 757 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. He's also caught 38 receptions. 32 receptions in that area, 448 yards. He's utilized in multiple formations, and I think that's the difference later today. And and you know who deserves a lot of credit for that is Joe Moorhead. We've we've talked a lot about the Penn State offensive coordinator throughout the offseason and now during the regular season. Joe Moorhead does a tremendous job of putting his playmakers, whether it's Saquon, Deshaun Hamilton, Mike Kosicki, in a position to make plays. But what I love what he has done is Saquon Barkley has not been predictable. He's not just just a you know traditional eye back out of the backfield he's going to be in the slot he's going to be spread out wide he's going to be a receiver so you don't know what Joe Moorhead is what kind of creativity he's going to bring to the game plan against Greg Schiano and that Ohio State defense now if I have a concern for this game I'm not in love with the Penn State O-line yeah. versus that Ohio State defensive line, which is strong, too deep, led by Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, uh, Tyquan Lewis. They're absolute Dremont Jones. They're absolutely loaded. That offensive line, which ranks 121st nationally in tackles for loss allowed. Now, listen, if, if, Penn, if Ohio State is dominating at the line of scrimmage and Saquon is feeling pressure, at the line and Trace McSorley's getting heat. That's an issue that I'll be watching very closely. So that Penn State offensive line, they're going to be under the microscope this afternoon. And much to your point, and when you look at that game in Iowa City, that's what Iowa was able to do in the second half of that ball game, and that's why Iowa kept that game close, almost pulled off the upset against the Nittany Lions. It is the mobility of Trace McSorley that will have to take place later today because if they get do get put into third down and long situations, look for Shiano, the dial up, its packages. He'll play man-to-man coverage on the outside. I think you could look at that Oklahoma game as well. 
The way they utilize now, Mark Andrews did get hurt in that ball game early on, but right. they utilized him in the slot. They utilized him as a hybrid, multiple formations. Look for Gasicki as well in that type of offensive approach a, a little bit later, going up against yeah, that secondary. Gasicki is he, he's long, so he creates matchup problems with his size, but he's also very athletic. He moves almost like an Ed McCaffrey type of a wide receiver. Very tall, lean, big catch radius for Trace McSorley. And, and, and again, I, I know Penn State doesn't have maybe a traditional number one receiver, but Deshaun Hamilton, all-time leading receiver p- for Penn State. Jawan Johnson has come through in big spots. And again, that, that is a great matchup because I really like the Ohio State secondary led by Denzel Ward. They have some very talented players. They always have talented players. Jordan Fuller, uh, Kendall Sheffield, always talented on the back end. So this is not going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be a competitive game. I just think we saw the blueprint of Ohio State. When, blue, when, when Ohio State had an opportunity against Oklahoma at home, mind you. And, and by the way, Oklahoma has been exposed over the past couple of weeks since that victory over Ohio State. You know, Oklahoma has looked ordinary, below ordinary defensively. So that's a game Ohio State should have won. And how about this? My final thought is how about the stakes in this game? Because I, I think Penn State is a top five team nationally, but... If they lose this game, Joe, they're essentially boxed out of the Big Ten East and with a non-conference schedule against Akron and Georgia State and a below-average Pitt team, I think a one-loss Penn State team that doesn't win the Big Ten is going to have a very difficult time getting back into the playoff picture. And they do face Michigan State next week. So yeah. Michigan State enters uh, Northwestern today. They're 6-1. and one. If Should they win that ballgame, they'll be 7-1. and one. They have to face Michigan State next week. So that's a great point. Look for tempo today, I think. I think the way Oklahoma utilized tempo and Indiana utilized tempo against Ohio State, up-tempo, quick plays, they did that against Michigan early on. That allowed Penn State to jump up to a 14 nothing lead. Look for the same type of approach. I still can see this game in the area of 28-21. I think Penn State wins a close game. I don't think they're going to blow out Ohio State in this ballgame, but I do feel they pick up in the area of about a 28-21, 28 28-24 victory later today. I I agree. Outright victory. Uh, So I think the points are very favorable for Penn State. And, And again, you know, there's something to be said for the psychology of this game. Penn State has been tested by quality opponents in the past few weeks. That Iowa game was a gut check moment uh, in Iowa City, win it on the final play. Ohio State has not been tested since Oklahoma. I, I mean, I think this is a four-quarter game, and after cruising for the past five weeks, I think it's going to be tough for them to, to win a game that's uh, that's close late. Yeah, I, and I love the fact that it's a 3.30 yeah. start. Enough with these night games. I understand why they do it for TV ratings and TV viewership, but show me a 3.30 game in the horseshoe. I'll even go back to when they had the Big Ten on the on the AstroTurf back in the day with Eric Kumaro and Carlos Snow. I yeah, love it. Yeah, you know what? The, uh, the sun will be setting in the second yes, half. It has, it's a, very, look has beautiful. a very nice autumn feel to it. That's what it's all about. When we come back, we'll all also be talking about a huge, huge battle in South Bend. It'll be NC State and Ryan Finley on the road to face Brandon Winbush and Notre Dame. This is Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, 
Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Taking place at 3.30, NC State and Ryan Finley on the road in South Bend to face Brandon Woodbush fresh off their dominating victory over the USC Trojans. NC State's coming off a week off to prep. They also won this ball game 10 to 3 in Raleigh last year, Rich. It was a monsoon. It was a monsoon. I did pick NC State last year. I'm not backing down now. I love the Wolfpack later today. I love the balance and more importantly, a rush defense led by their defensive end Bradley Chubb that's holding opposing offenses to 92 rushing yards per game. Joe, it, it's a classic strength versus strength type of a game. Uh, uh, NC State number 6 nationally against the run. Notre Dame 6th nationally running the ball so it's going to be josh adams and brandon wimbush and dexter williams that offensive line of notre dame you know with mike mcglinchy quentin nelson two kids who could be first rounders first second rounders uh in next year's draft going up against one of the most underrated defensive lines in the entire country you mentioned bradley chubb but they are deep throughout they go too deep on that defensive line ends and tackles very talented can they control the Notre Dame running game? That's what it comes down to for me. And I like NC State in this game. Look at what's ahead for the Wolfpack. This week, Notre Dame. Next week, hosting Clemson. Could we? And I'm not going to predict out to next week. We're not there yet, obviously. But what's ahead for NC State, which is pretty remarkable, is an opportunity in the next two weeks to actually get into the playoff discussion. Because if they could beat Notre Dame and South Bend, and then beat Clemson to take control of the ACC Atlantic. This is a team that would have to be considered a top five or six program. Yes, they lost the opener to South Carolina, but they have bounced back. And I'll give you one more strength versus strength. Notre Dame's defense has impressed me. Didn't expect them to be as good as they were last week against USC. Mike Elko, the new defensive corner, has been a difference maker. They're not loaded in terms of talent, but a lot of takeaways. NC State, though, just three turnovers all season long so a real study in contrast i think this will be a competitive game i do as well here's what i like about nc state a couple of factors they do have a week off in terms of preparation i like the fact that they have a senior quarterback in ryan finley this is an offense that's rushing for 177 yards on the ground passing for 290 through the air ryan finley a a, a very solid quarterback completing 69 percent of his passes over 1600 yards 11 touchdowns no interceptions and he has a veteran wide receiver core led by Jalen Samuels, Stephen Lewis and Harmon that have combined for 115 receptions 1,352 receiving yards and 7 touchdowns and Rich, the offensive line 7 games, only 8 sacks allowed. As long as he has time on the road, he's a confident quarterback. He'll make solid decisions and I like their running back Hines as well. I agree. Average over 5 yards per carry and 6 rushing touchdowns he can catch the ball out of the backfield 
I think this is a tough matchup for Notre Dame, and I think NC State wins this ballgame. High scoring, 31-24. I love the Wolfpack later today. Uh, Joe, I'm glad you brought up Naheem Hines. I mean, this is a player that sort of, uh, he lied in the weeds over the past couple of seasons, but he is a very versatile playmaker, speedy type of a back. You're right, he could be used in a number of different ways, has game-breaking ability. This isn't Josh Adams. Josh Adams is a, a big, bruising back. Now, when Adams gets out into the open space, he can go the distance. I mean, he could be tough to catch, but Hines is a versatile playmaker. There's a lot of different ways that he could be used. And in terms of that sack number, which is impressive, and, and Notre Dame, I mean, who's who's the who's the pass rush specialist there? Who's the guy that you could really count on? It's been a couple of years. Yeah, it's been by committee for the most exactly. part. Exactly. So there, there's no one that they have to double for that offensive line, but one of the reasons why they've only allowed eight sacks is is Ryan Finley. He's a veteran. He has an excellent pocket presence. Is he an NFL-type quarterback? I don't know, but he is a tremendous veteran leader and a game manager. I don't think he'll be unnerved by this game in South Bend. So, you know, Dave Doran, who I have been on, I have not been a big fan of Dave Doran because they haven't come through with the big victories. I think this team has finally begun to peak. It's a veteran unit on both sides of the ball. They're strong at the line of scrimmage. They're now developing playmakers. Jalen Samuels, if I, had to put, if I had to put together a list of my five or six favorite players, Jalen Samuels, I think, would be on that list just because he is so versatile. You could do anything with this kid. He is a true Swiss Army knife in terms of offensive weapons. So I agree with you. I think this is a competitive game throughout. I can see NC State pulling off the upset. But I love them getting more than a touchdown I do as well. And a couple of factors why I like NC State a little bit later today is they're not going to be unnerved going on the road. This is a team last year that played toe-to-toe with DeAndre Francois and Florida State. Lost that ball game in Raleigh 24-20. They had top-ranked Clemson on the ropes in Death Valley and lost that ball game in overtime, and they did face Lamar Jackson earlier in the year and dominated that matchup by 14 points. So from a defensive perspective, they're used to playing mobile quarterbacks. Notre Dame's offense now, it is one-dimensional, like you mentioned, Rich. They're averaging 317 rushing yards on the ground, only passing for 157 through the air, and Winbush still at this point an inconsistent passer. He's only completed 51% of his passes, 902 yards, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. So that's what I look at. The way you have to beat NC State is over the top. They're giving up 287 passing yards per game. I'm not so sure Notre Dame is built that way this season, and that's why I'm calling for the upset. Yeah, two really good points that you brought up that I want to highlight is the fact that NC State has faced mobile quarterbacks, and they did a pretty good job. I mean, nobody stops Lamar Jackson, but they did a pretty good job in that two-touchdown victory over Louisville a couple of weeks ago, so they're not unfamiliar with mobile, multi-dimensional quarterbacks, so this will not be unfamiliar territory against Brandon Wimbush, and I also like your point about Wimbush the passer. Made a couple of nice throws last week, finally got Equinemius St. Brown involved in the offense, and Notre Dame has tremendous targets. Alizé Mack, the tight end, is another one, But Wimbush is still an inconsistent, developing quarterback as a passer. I don't think he's a true dual threat. He is a run-first quarterback. That defense of NC State versus what is a quasi-one-dimensional offense I think favors the Wolfpack. I think this is a fantastic game. And I think it's a potential breakout moment for NC State and their coach, Dave Dorn. You know who they remind me 
of a little bit this year, like Penn State last year, after they started off slow. Now, NC State lost the first game of the year, but they got the monkey off the back with a quality win over Louisville. They dominated that matchup, and now they're on a roll, playing with confidence, much the way Penn State was, feeling that they could play with any team in the nation, and that's why I like the Wolfpack, plus the extra preparation time for Dave Dorian and the staff. And to rest, too. I, I think we're at a time in the season where attrition becomes a factor. Those hits begin to accumulate those injuries start to mount and to get an extra week off is a big factor for teams now that we're at the we're at the end of October so you know in terms of playoff chase now listen Notre Dame's a very good football team if they win this game they have two more big road games at Miami at Stanford in the month of November if Notre Dame can survive NC State today, I mean, this is another legitimate threat to grab one of those four playoff spots. I agree with you. And NC State is not looking ahead to Clemson. They are underdogs. They understand what's ahead of them. They can't look ahead to Clemson when you have Notre Dame and Brandon Winbush that just decimated and, and destroyed USC last week by o- over 20 points. So, I mean, NC State is not looking ahead in this ball game. Rich and I both like the Wolfpack. It is a 3.30 start. Again, another 3.30 Start yeah. no night games. I, I think it's great if, for college football. If you don't football. have picture in picture today <laughs> at three thirty, from three thirty to seven o'clock, if you don't have picture in picture, I I actually pity you because there's so many good games in the mid afternoon. Well, we'll turn our attention to a twelve o'clock start. It's a very intriguing Big Twelve battle. It is Oklahoma State and Mason Rudolph on the road in Morgantown to face West Virginia. This is an Oklahoma State team that has won two straight over the Mountaineers by fourteen points per game. They picked up this victory in. Stillwater last year, 37-20. to Both teams struggled last week on the road. A 13-10 victory by the Cowboys in Austin. They won that ball game in overtime. West Virginia held on for a two-point conversion attempt against Baylor, winning that ball game 38-36. You have two big play quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph, Will Greer, I like the Cowboys. I think they dominate this matchup. I really feel Oklahoma State is the better team in this ballgame. I don't think you're going I think it's a very entertaining. I know it's going to be a very entertaining game. And I know it's a game that's going to be particularly interesting to NFL scouts. Any, any NFL team that needs a quarterback in 2018, getting an opportunity to watch Mason Rudolph versus Will Greer, I think is a fantastic game. You have a bevy of good receivers. We know about Oklahoma State's with James Washington, Jalen McCleskey, uh, Marcel Aitman, but how about West Virginia and David Sills, Gary Jennings? You got a lot of really quality receivers. Oklahoma State, Joe, has the edge on defense. I will give you that. But this to me is a back and forth battle. I was not impressed by Oklahoma State last week, struggled in the red zone, were really uh, somewhat fortunate to get through Texas in overtime. Bad pass by Sam Ellinger, who looked like he was still concussed when he threw that ball to Ramon Richards. But West Virginia at home with Will Greer, fired up crowd. I'm worried about the West Virginia defense, but I like the Mountaineers getting the points. I think this is a final possession, last team with the ball wins kind of game. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, when you look at Oklahoma State's offense, a balanced attack, they're rushing for 190 yards on the ground, passing for 392 through the air with Mason Rudolph, completing 66% of his passes, 2,650 yards, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. I think it is the offensive balance. And look for Justice Hill to attack that West Virginia 
Virginia defense that's given up 175 rushing yards per game. To me, that could be the difference. And coupled with the fact that West Virginia's defense last week allowed 370 passing yards to Baylor, I think that could factor into this matchup as well. Quickly, uh, West Virginia since the beginning of 2015, 15-2 in Morgantown. And, and yes, I didn't like West Virginia's second half. I think they just took the, the foot off the gas. When we bit. come back, we'll stick with, there it is, Oklahoma State in West Virginia in Morgantown. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Conversation: Oak State and Mike Gundy on the road in Morgantown to face Will Greer and West Virginia. Rich, this is a West Virginia offense that's very balanced, rushing for over 175 yards per game. They're passing for over 300 with Will Greer. I mean, Will Greer is having a fantastic season. He's completing 66% of his passes, over 2,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions. But when you look at this rushing attack over the last three games now, only averaging 101.3 rushing yards per game. They played tough competition, but at the end of the day, I think that will be a difference in this ballgame as well. That's why I favor the front seven of Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting point. I mean, I've thought about that myself in terms of, I, I really like Justin Crawford. You know, Justin Crawford is an underrated back, finished last year strong before getting dinged up. I'd like to see him be more involved with the offense. I'd like to see more balance out of Dana's offense. You know, Will Greer, we know he's the, you know, he's the signature guy, leads the country with 26 touchdown passes, but if you can mix in some Justin Crawford, I think then West Virginia becomes more potent. My concern in this game is the West Virginia defense. It's an average group. Oklahoma State, I talked about West Virginia at home 15 and 2, but Oklahoma State since 2015, 13 and three on the road. So I mean, this is this is going to be a tough battle. But again, I, I think West Virginia at home with that passing attack, the ability to score, they've played well against good competition. I thought they played better against both teams have lost to TCU. So this is a Big 12 elimination game. I thought West Virginia was better against TCU in Fort Worth than Oklahoma State was in Stillwater. So I think this is a close, competitive game. 
It's a toss-up as to who wins. Give me seven and a half points. I'll take West Virginia. Yeah, I'll, I feel strongly about this game. I think when you look at West Virginia as a whole this year, they're allowing 195 rushing yards to opposing offenses. They're giving up 261 through the air. But like I mentioned last week to Baylor on the road in Waco, it was 370. They're going to need to run the football and keep Mason Rudolph on the sidelines. It is back-to-back road games for Oklahoma State. That could be a detriment, but I'll think, I think they'll be focused this weekend, and I, I'm calling for a dominating victory anywhere in the area 14 to 17 points on the road. I think James Washington, you mentioned McCleskey, Aitman, and Stoner, that group is combined 121 receptions, 2,219 receiving yards, 17 total receiving touchdowns. They could spread you wide and stretch you vertically. To me, that's the difference. That's why I like Oklahoma State later today. I will take the points. It was almost the best bet for me. I I, I felt that strongly about it. West Virginia getting points at home sounds like like a recipe for a cover. It is a 12 o'clock start. It is on ESPN, so check that out. You brought up TCU, Rich. They are on the road in a horn's nest to face Iowa State in Ames. Not an easy place to play. Since 2013, TCU's dominated the series. They won four straight over Iowa State by 25.2 points per game. Picked up the victory last year in Fort Worth, 41-20. to But this Iowa State team is ranked for the first time since 2005. Uh, they're playing with confidence. I like the way they're playing. And more importantly, the way Kyle Kemp is playing within the offense this is a confident team, and they understand their role offensively and defensively. I'm calling for the close victory, 28-23 over the Horn Frogs. When we're not here on set on Saturdays, Joe is the president of the Matt Campbell <laughs> fan club, correct? I called it early. I like yeah, this Yeah, you've been on Iowa State, and I give you a lot of credit for that because this team has flown past expectations. And let's not forget... Kyle Kemp was supposed to be the backup. He was supposed to be involved in mop-up duty this season. Jacob Park, who we both liked in the offseason, has not been with the team for the past month, ever since the Oklahoma upset. So Matt Campbell and Iowa State have done a tremendous job defensively. This might be one of the top defenses in the Big 12. Did a tremendous job against Texas Tech last week, but... The best defense in the Big 12 is still TCU. And Gary Patterson traditionally does a very good job on the road. They're allowing 2.4 yards per carry. And Iowa State has largely struggled. Before last week against Texas Tech, David Montgomery has had a hard time finding space this season. So I think they'll have a tough time running against that fast, undersized TCU defense, which is going to put a lot of pressure on Kyle Kempt. The person who's not going to feel a lot of pressure, in my opinion, is Kenny Hill. And Kenny Hill continues to deliver a really, really impressive senior season for TCU, both as a runner and as a quarterback. So I like TCU. I like them to cover this game. But I wouldn't be shocked if Iowa State pulls it off because this is now a a team of destiny and a team that really has bought into what Matt Campbell is preaching. And here's what I like about Iowa State later today, Rich, is that TCU does have Texas on deck the following week. Are they peeking ahead to the Longhorns and Tom Herman? Not saying they are, but you mentioned Kenny Hill. I mean, having a 
lights out season, completing 73% of his passes, over 1,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. You look at the defense for TCU, holding opposing offenses to 80 rushing yards per game, giving up around 210 yards through the air. And that's where I look at the matchup for Iowa State. You look at their big play wide receivers, Hakeem Butler and Alan Lazard, that have combined for 56 receptions, eight total touchdowns. I like that matchup, and this Iowa State defense that's holding opposing offenses to 120 rushing yards on the ground, to me, that's the difference. You look at Iowa State, Rich, they lost two games this year by a total of 13 points, 10 to Texas, 3 to Iowa. Last year, they lost four games by a total of 25 points to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor. This team plays hard each and every week. I just think it's going to be a dynamic atmosphere, and I love Matt Campbell. Well, let's go back to the Texas game. I'm glad you brought that up. Texas was the last really good defense that Iowa State played. They managed to score just seven points. So, you know, I like Alan Lazard. I like David Montgomery. But you do have a backup quarterback in there, and you have an offensive line that is below average by the Big 12 standard. So that offensive line of Iowa State going up against, again, I think the best defense in the Big 12 and TCU, now that they're for, or possibly Texas TCU, it's a toss-up, we'll see next week uh, when those two teams square off. But Iowa State going up against a quality defense, a very good secondary, very good secondary. I think they're going to have a hard time at the line of scrimmage, Joe, and I think they're going to have a hard time Uh, moving the ball, keeping the chains going. So, again, I think this is a tough test for TCU, but at the end of the day... This is the this is the best team in the Big Twelve. I think they're going to show it in Ames. Do you think they could be could be playing with a little bit of house money here? They're five and two overall, so six wins gets them bowl eligible. You think Matt Campbell rolls the dice here? I mean, playing at home, it is a, a top ten opponent. It is Gary Patterson. You've lost four straight since two thousand thirteen. Do you think he rolls the dice well, here? I, no, I, I'm not really sure about that. I don't think he has to roll the dice. I mean, with the way this team is playing, they've already taken down Oklahoma. If they can beat TCU, we now have to talk about the Cyclones as a chief contender for a Big 12 title. So I don't think they're just sort of playing with house money. If you survive today against the Horn Frogs, the unbeaten Horn Frogs, why wouldn't Iowa State now be a true legitimate contender for a Big 12 champ. The only thing standing in their way would be the game against Oklahoma State. Yeah, that would be a great, and that's a great matchup. So any game in Ames, if you haven't watched it play out there throughout the years, one of the best stadiums in college football, the fans are into the program. It's loud. It's a raucous environment. It really oozes college football, Rich, and and what makes today's slate so special because it is a 3.30 game on ABC. Yeah, and, and just to kind of go back to Matt Campbell, you and I both liked when he was a Mac coach, right, with Toledo. I love him now at Iowa State. I, I know Cyclone fans don't want to hear this. He's very young. He's hot. He's upwardly mobile. He's as hot as heck. I wouldn't be shocked if someone like in Arkansas, if they get rid of Brett Bielema, I mean, I could see Matt Campbell getting that kind of a promotion because, you know, Iowa State's playing very well this season, but there's a reason why they haven't been in the top 25 in 12 years, because this is a difficult place to win. And I think Matt Campbell realizes that. He loves the job he has, loves the kids that he's coaching. But if there's an opportunity to go to the SEC, what happens if Tennessee comes calling? I don't know about that job. Why not, though? Uh, I mean, he, he, he will now have proven 
that he could turn around programs in two different venues, first in the Mid-American Conference, now in the Big 12, at a difficult place like Iowa State. What if he finishes this season 8-4 and four, when the expectations might have been 5-7? and seven? Would not be shocked to see a young coach, what is he, like 40? I think what he's younger he, than maybe, I think he, he might be in his 30s. 30s? I, 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 mean, a young I think he's coach hotter than Fleck. I would, oh, I, I agree. Oh, I agree. Both Matt coaches, yeah. but he's proven he did it on a Power Five conference. Exactly. Whereas PJ's just in his first season at Minnesota, so I, I agree with you. I would not be surprised. There are going to be some SEC openings. Tennessee, Arkansas would not be surprised to see Matt Campbell getting a call, Intriguing. possibly for one of those jobs. I'm calling for the upset. How do you see this game playing? Uh, I see TCU. I think it'll be a close, competitive game, but I see TCU winning by ten. All right. Well, we'll see. It's a three thirty start. Rich and I will be locked and loaded at three thirty watching that ball game. Another intriguing battle is an ACC clash. It's Georgia Tech. It is Clemson. Since 2012, the Tigers have won four of the last five by 19 and a half points per game. I don't think it stops tonight, Rich. I mean, when you do have to stop the triple option, you need big physical defensive tackles that can disrupt running lanes and the timing of the zone blocking. That's what Clemson has. I think they dominate this matchup later today. And, and Joe, they have proven that over the last couple of years. Georgia Tech has not had success against Clemson. They have not had success against Brent Venable's defense. Uh, Clemson has something to prove. I mean, it seems like a lifetime ago, but the last time Clemson was playing, they lost to Syracuse, as we remember on that Friday night. So Clemson State, uh, Clemson, the, the, re, the regrouping begins this weekend. I mean, if, if they're going to make a run towards another ACC title and possibly a playoff berth, they have to turn it around today against Georgia Tech. Now listen, Clemson wins this game probably comfortably 14 and a half feels like a lot of points yeah. against the triple option plus we don't know the full health situation of kelly bryant and and a hobbled kelly bryant at 80 to 85 percent really has a negative impact on that offense that's something that we'll have to watch closely this afternoon when rich and i come back we'll give our best bets for the first part of the games and next hour we'll continue with georgia tech and clemson keep it where it is this is joe easy rich sermonello live on the fantasy sports radio network studio 34 The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. Pick time for the early portion of the show. Rich and I were 9-3 and three last week. I started slow in weeks 1, 2, and 3, but I'm back up to 25-23 and 23 overall. Rich, 32-15-1 on fire. Blistering Rich I Sermonello. I think you're trying to jinx me, my friend. No, not at all. Let's get right into it. I love 
Iowa State later today, 3.30 start. I think they get the outright victory over Kenny Hill and TCU. Think it's going to be a hornet's nest. 28-23, Cyclones get the win. Yeah, I, I like TCU, not one of my best bets, but I, I think at the line of scrimmage, the Horn Frogs are just bigger, stronger, faster than Iowa State. Very impressed by what the Cyclones and Matt Campbell have been able to do, but I don't think they beat the Big 12's best team today. I like Penn State later today. I think they pick up a seven-point victory. Not a best bet of mine, but you're all over the Nittany Lions today. Yeah, it's a li- there's a little bit of trepidation, obviously, going into Columbus. Huge game for both teams. I just don't buy into JT Barrett. I do buy into Penn State. And this is Saquon Barkley's moment. If he is the hero of a victory in Columbus, I think you could wrap up the Heisman Trophy and just send it to Happy Valley. Wow, wrap up the Heisman Trophy. Wrap it up. Now, last week we were both on Arizona State. We did not disappoint a dominating road win for the Sun Devils. Today we're all over NC State and Ryan Finley on the road. I think they get the outright victory later today. 31-24, it's a best pick of mine. Joe, in best bets for both of us this season where we've agreed on teams, I don't think we've lost. We might be 4-0 this season. We're going back to Colorado earlier in the season. <laughs> I agree with NC State. I think NC State is ready for this moment. Veteran football team on offense and defense. Ryan Finley, Brian Chubb, uh, Bradley Chubb. I think Bradley Chubb's going to have a very good game against Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey could be a little bit slow against speed rushers. I like NC State to win this game possibly outright, but you know what? The extra seven points, I'll take it. Take the outright win. I'm, I'm, I think they get it. 31, Am I being skittish? A little, a little too skittish. skittish and you had to throw out that we're undefeated there. I, nope, that I don't, I don't like. Believe you got to keep that under wraps. Nope. I love, and I'm saying the word love a lot, but I really do like and love the Oklahoma State Cowboys 12 o'clock later today. I think the speed of Oklahoma State going up against the secondary of West Virginia, to me, is the difference. I look for Mason Rudolph to bounce back in a big way. Look for a multiple touchdown performance. Oklahoma State with a dominating 14 points or more victory in Morgantown. Didn't like what I saw from the Cowboys last week. they, They have a better defense than West Virginia. That's my one concern. But in a game that should be a back and forth track meet between two next level quarterbacks in Will Greer and Mason Rudolph. Give me the team getting more than a touchdown at home. I, I, I think West Virginia could win this game outright, but just in case you have the cushion of seven and a half points, I'm a little surprised you love Oklahoma State as much as you do. West Virginia, we pick six best bets each week. Mm -hmm. West Virginia was literally my seventh game that I thought about including. Did not do it, but I like the Mountaineers. You're not scaring me with that comment that it was possibly one of your better picks for the day. We'll see you at 12 o'clock. See how how frightened you are this afternoon. Uh, Well, well, here we go. Utah on the road against Oregon in Outson Stadium. This this ball game last year, they struggled and lost that ball game. They jumped out to a big league, could not hold it. Oregon did get the outright win in Rice-Eccles. I would take Utah here. Not a best pick of mine, yeah. but you like the Utes in this ballgame. Yeah, I, 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 whenever Utah starts to get doubted is when I really like the Utes. Kyle Whittingham does a good job of getting his team motivated. Tyler Huntley, their quarterback, did not play well in the loss against Arizona State, but he was rusty coming off an injury. I think we'll see a better Tyler Huntley. Was not impressed by Oregon against UCLA. They were dominated at the line of scrimmage. That Utah defense, the attacking Utah defense against an Oregon team that struggled. Struggled against the UCLA defense. 
I like Utah on the road. Yeah, I agree with you. And keep in mind, this was an Oregon team that allowed 246 rushing yards per game last year and 38 rushing touchdowns starting to get worn out. When we come back, we'll keep it where it is. Georgia Tech and Clemson. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. 